Uh, let's get into our um, sermon for today. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And it reads, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Let's pray. God in heaven today, again, we worship you and praise you. And we ask God that as we get into your word this morning and we try to understand what it means for us today in the 21st century. We ask and pray, God, for the guidance of your Holy Spirit at this time. Uh, May these be your words and not mine. And we ask and pray, God, that Jesus would be here today to minister to each and every person who is here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I am very excited about our clinic uh, tomorrow, are you all excited? Okay, well, there's a couple people who are excited. I, I guess I'm not sharing my enthusiasm here, but listen, last Sunday, we had our clinic in Paris, and we had just vision there, and uh, we had about 27 people come through, we're praising God. And uh, so I was talking to some of the organizers of our clinics um, earlier this week after everything had finished, and I was talking to Dr. Gale, and she, we're talking about how things went, we're talking about, you know, how things could be improved and all these other things, and then she mentioned to me one particular family, a lady who had come uh, as actually a walk-in with, th- with uh, two children, And so as she came through, uh, this lady who had come through with these two children, one of them was, uh, she she was quite energetic. She was quite rambunctious, you know. And as she was coming through, you know that you knew that this child was there. I remember when when we were at the registration, uh, she was playing around and unplugged our computer and we were all... (laughs) freaking out, oh, oh no, what are we going to do? You know, we, got, we need this for registration. And when we went into uh, the prayer room at the end, um, and I was talking to the mother, me and another uh, chaplain were talking to the mother about, you know, the care we were giving and inviting them to church. And she's like, I don't know, my kids are kind of rambunctious. And as she was saying this, her, her daughter was taking apart a box with a, like a Bible game and putting pieces all over the place, you know. And she was just taking everything apart. And so... Uh, and uh, so she was trying. She was trying to take some of the Bibles, the Spanish Bibles, and put them in the backpack we gave her. And I said, "Sweetheart, we'll give you an English Bible, okay?" And so I went and got an English Bible and gave her the English Bible. 
But Miss Gail mentioned to me, she said, I want, I want to make sure, Pastor, when she comes through, this lady comes through and their kids get their glasses, that that little girl, that they remind her that she needs to wear her glasses. And she said that <clears throat> when she came into the uh, eye clinic, she was the same way, rambunctious and all these other things. But once she got behind the machine that helped that little girl to see, she had automatic, she quickly calmed down. And it was as if she was a different little person. She was so calm. She was looking through, she was answering the questions, she was interacting with Dr. Gale very well. And she said, Pastor, sometimes uh, children, when they have a difficult time seeing and they can't see anything else around them or anybody else and they don't know what's going on, They do these things to bring attention to themselves so that somebody will see them and they can be seen. And she said, if if this little girl will just wear her glasses, it could change her behavior and and maybe it could change her life. And after that, I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? If what we have done in our clinic could actually change this little girl's Life. I would have never thought, you know, that this child, when I was, we were in that room together and she's doing all these different things, she just needs to see better. She just needs to have better vision. And I thought to myself, that's what it's all about. And that's the reason why we're doing these kind of clinics. And it helps me to better understand why Jesus went about healing people in these different cities. Why Jesus didn't just get up and preach and just go to the synagogue and teach, but Jesus spent so much time in his ministry actually healing people physically, helping the blind to see and the lame to walk, those who were paralyzed to have feeling and motion again, those who were possessed to be free from from the devil, Jesus went about doing all of these things for people because it helped them to see and understand God better. He had an agenda, and we have an agenda as well, too, in these clinics. You see, when Jesus came to minister to people, Jesus ministered to the whole person, didn't he? Not just one part. He ministered to the spirit the mind, and the body. Jesus came to save the whole person, not just one part of us. He cares about the whole person. As important as preaching and teaching the word of God is, it it was not enough for Jesus. Just preaching and teaching was not enough for Jesus Christ. He wanted to do more. And it shouldn't be enough for us as a church to just preach and teach as well. We have to do more. Now, I know in the Adventist church, you know, we have a strong emphasis on doctrine, you know, biblical teaching, you know, telling the people the truth. And that's true. That's important. God wants us to get his word out, doesn't it? But it's it's like Brother JP mentioned before. Sometimes people can't even focus on those things because they're so sick, because they're half blind, because they're worried about doctor bills or doctor visits or these other things. 
And so Jesus came to minister to the whole person, and so should we. So this is so important in Matthew's gospel that Matthew actually repeats this later on in his gospel. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, he almost repeats himself here out of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. He says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Almost word for word from Matthew chapter 4. And so, if what would have happened, what would happen in our church if we did not have this, this vision, this whole complete picture of the gospel? To not just preach and teach, but also to heal. Let me ask it this way. Would y'all be upset if we came in here on Sabbath and we only had teaching, but there was no preaching? And we only came and we did some healing, but we never heard the word of God preached. Or what if we only taught, we only healed people, we only did clinics, we, we only did uh, other ministries like our clinics, but we never taught and we never preached the word of God. Would you all be upset about that? Yeah, I, I would hope you would be, right? We, we got to have the word of God. We got to have the teaching of the word of God. We have to understand what the Bible says. So we should get upset when we only have preaching and teaching, but no healing going on. You see, this is a balanced ministry. And that's why what we're doing tomorrow is so important. But not just tomorrow, right? I mean, the healing ministry, it goes beyond just a one-time event, doesn't it? It should extend into the home. It should extend into our, our church every, every Sabbath. It should extend beyond that, and it should impact the life. It should be a lifestyle, not just a one-time event, right? Health and healing and preaching and teaching needs to be a lifestyle. Amen? That was Jesus' lifestyle. That was Jesus' approach. All three. This is a healthy perspective on the ministry. Now, early on in the Christian church, we see that even Jesus, after all the miracles that he did of preaching and teaching and healing, that his disciples did the same thing. They, they understood what Jesus was doing, and they did the same thing. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is early on in the, in the book of Acts, after the uh, Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Jesus uh, was ascended to heaven um, in chapter 1. And so in many ways, this is the beginning of the ministry of the apostles. They had preached and over 3,000 had come into the church. 
And Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 through 7, we see a story here uh, about Peter uh, going up uh, to the temple. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and doing what? Praising God. Amen. Praising God. You see... God could trust the apostles. He could trust the early church with these supernatural miracles. Now, imagine if we did these things today. Now, we don't see this every day in our time and culture, do we? We have a lot of skeptics when it comes to miracles. Well, God, can God really do that? And how do you scientifically explain this or that? But when you read about it in the early church, God did some pretty amazing miracles, didn't he? He did some pretty amazing miracles. And, you, you know, somebody could step back and say, you know, wow, you know, look at me. Or, uh, you know, if you, if you will donate to my ministry, you can have this miracle too. You understand what I'm saying? What goes on sometimes? Some, you know, there's this danger that people can exalt themselves through these supernatural miracles. But we see that when... The apostles did these supernatural miracles. It was to bring attention to Jesus Christ. When they healed, it was to bring attention to Jesus Christ. And the man knew what Peter and John were all about. There was no mistake because it says he went away praising Peter and John. No, he went away praising God. He went away praising God. This is the whole purpose of the healing ministry, to direct people to the Savior. That's why we do what we do. This is God's agenda, and it is ours as well. So, if, if people are sick, you know, it's hard for them to really praise God and focus on God. This man was at the temple and the sick man was at the temple. Why was the sick man at the temple? Was he there to praise God? The sick man, he was there uh, asking for alms, right? He was sick. He couldn't work. He was counting and depending on other generous people. So now I'm not saying he was a bad guy. I'm not saying he wasn't. Maybe he did go up there and worship before he asked. I don't know. I don't know. You know, but was his focus there in the temple 
to be praising God, the sick man. No, because he was sick. He was asking for help, you know. And when people are sick and when and when they're down, when 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 the devil has them down, it's hard for them to really focus upon God, to to focus their faith on Jesus. I remember once when I was um, doing my missionary work overseas, I had I I came back a few times to visit once a year. I would come back and I would visit my family here in Texas. And I remember I came to visit for uh, a week or two, and I was getting uh, ready to go back after a couple of weeks. And uh, the night before I left, I don't remember what it was, I don't know if it was what my dad cooked or what, but I ate something, or I, something happened where I got terribly, awfully sick. And I had, excuse me, a terrible case of diarrhea. I mean, it's the worst one I've ever had in my life. And I could not keep down one drink of water. Not one drink. I remember I was leaving early the next morning to go to the airport. And my grandmother wanted to see me off as well, too. So we got up and we left the car early. It was still night. And I got no sleep that night. And I remember when we went and drove up in my grandmother's parking lot or uh, driveway, um, I was in the back seat laying down. I was curled up in a ball like, a, like, a, like a, in an infant fetal position. And um, let me tell you, I have a high tolerance for pain, okay? or at least I think I do. <laughs> and I never do this kind of stuff. I never do. And so I was back there. I was so sick. Uh, and... When it came time to get on the plane, I was hoping that I would feel better. I was only worse. When I got onto the plane, now remember, I'm, I'm not, you know, traveling to Florida or something. I'm going to Japan, okay? So I'm on this plane going back to the mission field, and I was so sick for 17 to 21 hours. I can't remember what it was. And I remember I had to keep going to the bathroom and they were giving out, you know, the the meals during the flight. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. Um, I know that the lady sitting next to me just just was having the worst flight of her life, too, because I was sitting next to the window and I had to keep up going to the keep getting up and go to the bathroom. And I remember when I was in the airport during the layovers, I was the first thing, where's the bathroom? You know, and that's where I would spend my layover time. And so all I could think about was when is this trip going to be over? Now, here you have a young man who went to school to be a pastor and an evangelist. I'm on my way back to the mission field to tell people about Christ. Do you think that evangelism was on my mind during that trip? Do you think that I wanted to have a a conversation about Jesus at that time? Of course not. All I'm thinking is, when is this trip going to be over? You know, how do I get rid of this? You understand what I'm saying? When people are sick, it affects us spiritually as well, too. You know, if if the devil can get some a, a, a Christian sick, he or distracted, he can knock out a, a soldier of God. He can knock out a, a servant of God. And we can be ineffective 
and our gospel ministry. So this is why it is so important. The healing ministry is so important to our people, our church, and our community. This is why we do what we do. It was, it's the healing ministry that prepared this sick man to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he was healed here in Acts chapter 3, then he could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why it was so important. And this is why Jesus is healing as well as teaching and preaching in Matthew chapter 4. If you go back to Matthew chapter 4, and you read verse 23 through 25, it says Jesus is doing what he's doing there, and then what does he do in the very next chapter? What, what momentous thing happens in Matthew chapter 5? 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Some of Jesus' most important teachings in all of the Bible. Some of his most important teachings in all of the Gospels were here in Matthew chapter 5. And what Jesus was doing in Matthew chapter 4 helped to prepare people's hearts and minds to receive his word, to receive the Gospel. There's a reason why we are volunteering a whole day in this clinic. And that is to show them the love of God in a practical, meaningful way. It's where the rubber meets the road. Then people will be prepared to hear whatever we have to say. Right? And by the way, we're not asking people, well, how did you get sick? Well, well, why are you eating that? Well, why are you smoking that? Well, what do you do? You know, we're not here to criticize. We're not here to judge people. We're just saying, if you have a need, come and we want to help you with your need. That's it. Healing and restoration and redemption comes first, doesn't it? And then Jesus gave them instructions in Matthew chapter 5. This is how the gospel works. This is how it works. And we do all of this to show them the love of Christ, to present them with a loving Savior who really does care about our everyday needs. I found this quotation from Desire of Ages, page 260, that I thought was, uh, is a good reminder of why we do these things. It says here, in excitement, which then, the, in the excitement which then pervaded Capernaum, there was danger that the object of his mission, that's Christ's mission, would be lost sight of. Jesus was not satisfied to attract attention to himself merely as a wonder worker or as a healer of physical maladies. He was seeking to draw men to himself as their savior. That's why he was doing what he was doing. What they really, really needed was not just to see clearly or to be healed of paralysis or, or to be, uh, have the demon cast out. What they really needed was Jesus as their Savior. That was his main agenda. He was directing people to himself as the Son of God and the divine healer. And that should be our great objective as well. That's our motivation 
for what we are doing. To show people a Savior who desires to heal them and answer their prayers. I'll close with this short story, simple story, that also happened uh, last Sunday. It's uh, one of the first ladies that came through, actually. This lady uh, came through our clinic, and she, um, she got eye care uh, from, Ms., uh, from Dr. Gale. And then she uh, went to the Talk with the Doc um, um, station as well, too. That's where we're setting up uh, booths or rooms where people can talk virtually with a doctor, one-on-one. And we're expecting people will be in there 15 or 20 minutes. But this lady came in sometime in the late morning. She went through the eye clinic, and she went to talk with the doctor virtually. And uh, it was close to lunchtime. And so um, everybody else was eating, but I hadn't eaten yet because I was in charge of the last station, which was spiritual care, which we go in, we give them their backpack, and we pray with people. And so I was waiting for this lady, you know, uh, in her consultation with the doctor. She was in there 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I was waiting to go to lunch, and I was, you know, I was like, hmm, I wonder what I should do. She was in there so long, I went and got my lunch, came back into my office, which is close to the room that she was in, and I, and I waited. And she was in there for like 45 minutes, almost an hour. I was like, wow, this lady must have really needed this, this ministry. And so she comes out, and I catch her and get the other chaplain who was there, and we go in and we talk to this lady. And she was giving us her story. And she told us that she had worked at the hospital there in Paris for 12 years. She had, she had job security. She was doing well. She was doing fine. And then she got the coronavirus. She got so sick she was in the hospital for weeks and months. She was on a ventilator. And she said, at one point... I, I, I gave up breathing. And she said, if I wasn't on the ventilator, I would have died. She just was so tired of fighting. And she said, but you know what? God saved my life. I know that God saved my life. And so she finally got out of the hospital, but she didn't have her job. She still doesn't have it because she doesn't have the strength to go back to work. Now she's in transitional housing. You know, I used to call that a halfway house. And she heard about the clinic while she was in there. She got some flyers. And she said, I've, I've lost all my benefits, you know. I've, I, I lost my house, you know. I've, I'm in this difficult place. But I really needed this clinic today. And she said, I know that God is listening to me and he cares. He answered my prayer today. Today, God has answered my prayer. And I was just sitting there stunned, you know. I was listening to her story and I... And when she should be saying thank you, I was telling this lady, thank you so much for sharing your testimony and your story today. Now I know why Jesus went about healing people everywhere that he went, caring for all of their needs, physically, mentally, emotionally, talking with people by by a well side, listening to their problems. And I thought, if I just have a little taste of what Jesus does today, then it's all worth it. If it was just for that one lady, it would have all been worth it. This is our great agenda, our goal for what we do, to connect people 
with the Savior. Amen. And it's my hope and my prayer that even after all the doctors and the professionals and and everybody leaves tomorrow, that we continue to maintain this lifestyle, this whole gospel ministry. And may God use this church to continue leading people to the Savior through whatever we do here. May God bless you and happy Sabbath. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word and thank you for your care for all of us, for the whole person. Today, we simply ask and pray that through this ministry that Jesus would be lifted up and that you would use us, God, in a mighty way and a simple way to be your hands in your feet tomorrow. God, I want to pray for anybody today here who is sick, physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God, we ask and pray for the healing touch of Jesus upon each one who needs his healing hand today. Help us, God, to feel his touch. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.